Welcome to the Friends of a Feather podcast. I'm your host, Ren Robbins, and I'm excited that you're here. This is the place where you will feel encouraged as I share with you my friends' God stories. Whether you are on your commute to work, folding the laundry, or taking me along with you on your walk, I pray that you will feel seen by God and be spurred on to honor Him with the gifts and talents that He has given you. Let's jump in. Well, welcome back to the podcast, my friend. We are hearing from Lindsay LaVisca today, my friend that I have brought back to the podcast to share with us uh, about parenting and homeschooling uniquely wired kids to thrive. So Lindsay is a blogger and she is a wife and a mom, and we are excited to have her back. So welcome, Lindsay, back to the podcast. Thank you, Ren, for having me. I'm so glad to be here. This is great. The first time I had you was when you shared about your uh, story about uh, adoption and then your son and uh, the struggles that y'all went through when you first brought him home. And um, I did have somebody ask a question after that series uh, or the after that episode. And I want to ask you now, how are y'all doing now? We're doing really well. We're doing really well. It's actually, I actually totally remember recording that with you. I was in my closet uh, trying to find a pocket of quiet so that I could have a conversation with you. Uh, even since then, we're doing really, really well. My son has made huge, huge, huge progress uh, that I have to be so grateful for. And I would never have believed in those earlier years that we would get to this place. So we are doing very, very well. I appreciate you asking. Well, and I do want to, I'll put that in the show notes so that y'all can go back and listen if you um, haven't caught that episode yet. But I asked Lindsay to come back because this is the summer of practical and I like to be practical in all things and how it it relates to our our walks with Jesus um, and how we plan our day, how we go about our day with our health. And then I invited Lindsay to come back to talk about what we can do this summer with our kids. And if our children have been in school or if you're homeschooling or, uh, you know, most of us us have been homeschooling this past, you know, in 2020, we were homeschooling a lot. And so uh, regardless if we chose it or not. And so I just asked Lindsay to come on and share about what we can do with our kids, maybe our out of the box kids and kids that need structure, what we can do with them this summer. So that's why I asked her to come on. She's going to share some practical tips with us. So tell us, Lindsay, what has this year, year and a half really meant for kiddos, maybe in um, it, looking at their social interactions. What does this year look like from well, your perspective? Yeah, I mean, that is such a loaded question. We, mm. You know, if you'd asked me six months ago, it might have been a different answer. But I mean, it has been, it's been a, a doozy. Uh, but I also think there's been a lot of just, I think this is a year of a lot of insights for our children and ourselves as parents. I think that for a lot of children, actually coming home was one of the best things that ever happened. I think particularly children that think and process the world differently, whether they have a um, learning difference, whether they have a diagnosis of ADHD or autism or dyslexia or language processing issue, or even possibly anxiety. A lot of children struggle in that environment um, at school where it's set up for one particular student. And it's wonderful 
for so many kids. But I did hear a lot of my community when they pulled their kids out of school, uh, particularly those with a diagnosis or ADHD, autism, a lot of kids with autism or just the ones that thought differently and anxiety levels plummeted for these kids been the case for a lot of adults too. Some people came home and they felt this refreshing beauty of being able to slow down and to be present more. Uh, Initially, it was so hard for so many people and I still think it was hard for a lot of children and parents. And that's the beauty of the diversity of what God has created in man and people is that we are so different and we have so many different needs. So I do think that it has been very, very hard. Like I told you earlier, you know, I have a teen daughter and I know that the youth, the teens in general has been very hard on their mental health, the isolation. And actually it's interesting. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Dan Siegel, but he wrote, um, the Whole Brain Child. So a lot of people know that book. Okay. Well, he also wrote a book called Brainstorm. And Brainstorm is all about the teenage mind and the transitions and what happens neurologically in the teenage mind. And it's so amazing. And it's beautiful because it's so God. He, he's he's so big and yet he's so into the minute, the, the minute details of the brain and the way we function. But teens really struggle Uh, Because they are meant and built to start to transition away from the family, not not in a disrespectful way at all, but to get ready to launch. And so this particular year was so hard. We saw mental health issues skyrocket for kids, uh, teens particularly as well, which that was an issue for my daughter. It was very, very hard season for my more neurotypical child. Uh, who's a teen. So I think it's just diverse, all the responses. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was the case for so many people, uh, whether yeah. you're a child or an adult. Um, hmm. How did you teach your kiddos to cope? I mean, I, you have um, um, three. And so how, and this could be, I have an only child, so it could be, this is just a parenting, like, parenting more than one child one-on-one, and I don't know it, but how did you parent them or really help them to cope with the differences that were happening in our world and the lack of, you know, the isolation? Sure. I will say by God's mercy, uh, my 12 year old is definitely more of an introvert. And so for her, she blossomed she blossomed at home and she just, that was her safe space. It was her place. And, and that's what I love about this experience is that everybody got to see whether you were an introvert, always having to live in that extroverted world, or if you're an Mm -hmm. extrovert and now you had to live in more of that introverted type environment where you appreciate and you're designed by God himself to need a little bit more quiet and isolation. We're all different. Uh, So by his mercy, my 12 year old, Easy peasy lemon squeezy. So I was blessed to be able to focus a lot on my 15 year old's mental health because I really need to stay connected with her. And uh, that was a lot, that was a lot. My son, now this is my son that has a lot of cognitive differences. He was, at that time he was in TK in a preschool with our church. So he did come home and that was tough because he is, wired differently. I I, uh, don't have a specific diagnosis that I'm going to throw out there, but a lot of these kids, whether they have ADHD, autism, anxiety, whether they have a complex background from adoption, um, most you just 
pretty much if you have a child that has been adopted or has been in foster care, just assume trauma. And trauma is a big, big thing. And so that causes a lot of uh, behavioral issues that look like behavioral issues, but really are typically more anxiety based uh, issues of not having that consistency, that connection, that relationship that God has so beautifully you know, laid out for us. Just relationship is so huge. Uh, so it was tough. I'm going to be totally honest and say, I did not do it perfectly. I did it well at times and I plummeted many, many times. I say we had lots of conversations, lots mm. of about what was going on in the world, lots of conversations about checking in. How are you feeling? What, uh, what are you feeling internally? Uh, you know, God tells us to be still and know that he is God so that we create pockets of time. And in the world that we live in, it's so busy, 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 even when we're at home. Because if we're staring at a screen and doing this, scrolling, or watching television or video games, and these kids had to stare, some kids had to stare at screens all the time. That's a lot of input. Even at home, we forget to be still and to teach our children the importance of being still enough to retreat so we can know what we're feeling, what we're thinking, taking those thoughts captive to God. We can't do that if we don't have these quiet pockets. And so in our culture, in our family culture, it's very much, what are you feeling right now? Let's take a minute. Let's take a deep breath. What are you feeling? What God's giving you this body and this, this brain and this relationship with him for a reason. What are you feeling right now? Where's that thought coming from? I'm feeling really anxious. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling angry. I totally get it. You're feeling angry. Let's talk about it. What are you angry about? What are you feeling right now? You know, mm. I can't see my friends. I can't do this. Is this going to last forever? And so lots of conversation and acknowledging, mm. even if the thought isn't reality, acknowledging, hey, I can see why you, that you'd feel that way if you're thinking that. That's tough. Let's process, you know, lots of dialogue, particularly with my older and my younger I had to keep him busy. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I had to keep him busy. Wow. And I had to keep myself sane. And I had to keep mm -hmm. myself sane, which wasn't always easy. Well, and when you were saying that about, you know, talking with them, like, you know, hearing your uh, teenager say, like, what was going on with her? Like, I can't see my friends. Is this going to last forever? I was thinking those were the same exact things I was asking myself, right? Yes. <laughs> Yes. So, uh, but this is what I love about you, Lindsay, is you are looking at things with faith sight instead of just eyesight, because you said, you know, one thing and the things that we loved about this time and how you are looking at it as this is what we loved about it. You know, there were a lot. I mean, obviously, there were a lot of things that we didn't like about it. But boy, there were some things that were that that God, you know, he calls his things to work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So I just love that about you, that you looked at it and said, this is what I loved about this time. Let me just say one thing, just for the mom out there that might be in a bad pit right now. That was not always my truth and my reality all the time. That was what I sought, but I'm human and, and I'm broken mm -hmm. and I had a lot of dark places. However, going to your point, even in those dark places, even when I was mad at God, his grace is so sufficient and I know how much he loves me that I was free to say, I am so angry right now. And I trusted him with that. So I could have those dark moments, which I did a lot. I'm going to be totally transparent, but I just felt the freedom to process them with him 
And when I blew it, just it's, he didn't, he's not surprised, you know, Mm. he's not surprised. And so I have a lot, I can, I can look back now and see all the fruits of, of, of it. And in the time I did my best to see what he was doing. And I would say, okay, what's God doing? What's God doing? Yes, this sucks. Mm. What's God doing? Like, let's Mm. just, we've got to cling to that, that, that hope that's the anchor to our soul. And this gave us an opportunity, this season to really lean into it. And even if we failed and messed up, no big deal. He's not surprised. He already knew that was going to happen. And it's part of our journey with him. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. I'm glad you said that. Um, and I also, you know, we kind of needed to to have that preface before we really talk about what we can do with our kids this summer because of the past year and the things that are, you know, for some people are still not, you know, back to normal totally for everybody. But, you know, there's definitely different um you know, varying types um, going on right now with how everybody is dealing th- with things um, in the different areas of the country. But um, tell me about some practical things that maybe either you did this year or things that you're going to do this summer with your kiddos, especially your uh, little boy. He's not really that little anymore. How old is he now? Well, he is seven. He's seven. Uh, but cognitively, I would say he's more five, four. Okay. So he, developmentally, we're all in places in different seasons. But for him, mm-hmm. particularly, okay. cognitively, I'd say he's more like four or five, just depending on what we're talking about. You know? Okay. Yeah. So what are what are some things that you would do with him this summer, maybe to just have that structure at home, but still being able to enjoy, you know, a little bit of laid backness? Well, absolutely. And I think, honestly, there's nothing here, maybe one thing, but there's nothing here that's not going to help any mama. Because mm-hmm. these are things that I've I started to circling through all the things I've done with my girls, all the things that we do. And these are great for everybody. We all need them. That first thing yeah. so many of us felt when, particularly if you were outside the home, working outside the home and you had to come home and everything changed. First thing everyone felt was anxiety. And that's because there was no rhythm. Everything stopped. So you had to plan everything and there was no just automatic rhythms. So I think creating a rhythm this summer for any mom is going to be so helpful. Uh, okay. So one activity that uh, I actually have done for years with, with my girls and uh, we're going to circle back to this summer in more intentionally with my son is actually scripture memory work. Now I know this seems so cheeseball, but it is so fun. Uh, we are all about memorizing scripture in our house and I cannot tell you the memories we've had with this. So last summer I actually wrote a blog post and I gave, I laid out the exact way that we do it. I actually have it on my website. I posted a video of the girls and I doing and our dance to yes, I saw it. I loved it. Oh, girl, to Psalm 100, and they're like, they're like, Mom, we are so not interested, and I don't care because they know it, and that's all that matters, even that's from right. years before. So I love having scripture memory work as part of your rhythm. If you have a, if your kids are up and at them first thing in the morning, you capture that as part of like this is what we do after breakfast. And it's literally super fun. And it could be as little as five minutes a day. But those little nuggets over time, you could have an entire passage of scripture memorized, and it would be one of the funnest things that you do. So we do a lot to we take a verse by verse. And I have all the steps on my website. And I can give you that link if if you want. But it's literally line by line. So I take a big sheet of paper, I print out like say it was Psalm 100 when I did Psalm 100. And it would just I would type in, you know, in big font, big spaces, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. And then that would be like the first verse or the first line. And we just highlight one a week. And we pick rhythms, and we pick beats. So you can have a you can have 
It's shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. But my kids made it up with me. Worship the Lord with gladness and we make them up ourselves. And so we do hand motions and it seems so cheeseball, but it works. And it's a sweet time that even my 15 year old, she will be doing it with us. Now she's not going to want to announce that to everybody, but she will be doing it with us because that's just part of our rhythm and that's just what Mm. we do. And I cannot tell you how it's just, it anchors you as a family. If you have that touch point, even if it's just breakfast and scripture memory and it's so fun and you would not believe how easy it is to memorize scripture when you incorporate um, rhythm, music, mm-hmm. dance, mo- dance motions. I have them all. <laughs> yes. Proverbs too. I mean, we got like, you know, righteousness will be as well. This I, I'm doing hand motions. For anyone who can't see me, like how uh-huh. we, yeah, it's fun. So that's a great little activity. And the other thing with a child that has anxiety or uh, autism, it, it, it doesn't really matter. A lot of it just stems from anxiety. Mm-hmm. Any child that has anxiety, rhythm, God designed us. When you think about a child, a baby growing in their mother's womb, okay, well, that rhythm they hear, they heard for those nine months that they're developing, the heartbeat, ba-boom, 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 the swishing of the blood, all that, those are very regulating. And when I mean regulating, I mean they're very calming to the entire body, the brain, the nervous system. I mean, God is crazy insanely amazing because this is just all I study. I just find it so fascinating how, how he has designed us. So rhythm, repetition, anything you're doing in sync with your child, those things are very regulating and they're very calming and they create relationship. So when doing in unison, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship, when we're doing that together, we are connecting. We have these things called mirror neurons that God has given us, which create relationship, help us empathize with one another. So if you have a child with autism or a child that might struggle with connection by creating moments of rhythm and seek uh, doing things together where you're looking at each other and you're doing it, it creates a very calming and a connection between people. And we are, I'm telling you, neurologically, the way he has designed us, we are created for relationship. We say this in the church and that is truth. But when you even study his design of humanity in the brain, woo! so that is a very beautiful thing to do. I know that was a long rant, but. No, I love that. And, and I like the words that you said, rhythm, repetition, regulating. I mean, I think that is uh, important and we can do that with scripture memory, integrating it in. Uh, Absolutely. Give us another tip. I love it. Okay. Um, and, and speaking to that, I wasn't necessarily going to bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up now to that regulating piece. Like, for example, uh, we are in the process of selling our home. Uh, so we had to go away for the weekend to get the household. We went to a restaurant. Okay. We're in a part of the country where we're allowed, we can go to restaurants. So we went to a restaurant and my son was having almost like a meltdown. He was going to have a meltdown. He was feeling very anxious, very unregulated. So any of your moms that have children that have a different diagnosis or something, they'll understand these terms. He was very unregulated. He's very anxious and he was starting to like lose it. And, And the reality is this, even though this is very common with children with cognitive differences, the reality is, is every single human being on the face of the earth has times where you're like, I'm feeling anxious right now and I'm going to lose it. Right. Well, my child was about to lose it before we went to that restaurant. So I sent everybody into the restaurant and I got in the backseat of the van 
and I sat with him and we've been working with a phenomenal uh, educator who's created an amazing program. Her name is Dr. Carol Brown with Equipping Minds. We've been working with her. I love her so much and her program is so solid. But one of the things we do as part of that program is we do a lot of different games with cards, with playing cards. So I sat in the backseat of the car so here's an easy tip, put a deck of cards. You can do Uno cards. Uh, we use what are called blink cards. And these are from, we got this idea from Dr. Brown, but we have these cards and we flip the cards and he would just, I'd say, I want you to tell me what shape you see. And I would just flip the cards and there'd be circles and there'd be lightning bolts. And he would just focus on the cards. I sat with him and I just flipped the cards and he just told me, you know, triangle, circle. And he just had to focus on that. But that pattern, of just flipping the cards in a regular rhythm, giving him something to focus on, helped him reset. It was so helpful. So you can play games, because on my list was pick a board game or a special game and have like maybe like a new game that you do, you know, maybe once a week it's a new game or maybe we play Spot It. For this week we're gonna play Spot It. But for your child, so on here is games, because we talk about family game night. Here's the thing. If your child has cognitive differences, and this even happens with younger children, if you have like a bigger brother or a bigger sister, if you have a child that is constantly losing, the child that is maybe uh, has a harder time with working memory or they have slower processing speed, that child is working so much harder to try to compete. And so what happens is if we're supposed to play fair, the world's rules, the world wants to play by the rules and that's what's fair. So tough it out. Deal with it, kid. You can't, you're not really competing. So it's not fun for that child. It's not just fun. It's very defeating. There's nothing connecting relationally about a game night where you have a child who they're set up for failure just by virtue of how they're designed and where they're at. So you can modify games by uh, game night. So like if we're playing spot it, maybe we'll have you can partner so you can pair instead of it being all dependent on one child, you know, every, you know, that child fending for himself in a game, you can do partners. You can uh, kind of change the rules a little bit where maybe spot it. And again, speaking to Carol Brown, because this was such a brilliant idea with, with the game spot it. Do you know what I'm talking about with spot mm -hmm, it? I do. And just yes. for anyone who doesn't know, it's just a little card that has multiple pictures on it. And each card is going to have a match and you're looking for the match. Well, that child that, has a slower processing speed or even a slower, they may see it right away, but there's, but their verbal processing is slower. You can have it where you just take turns. I see two cows, brown cows, or, and so you're just more taking turns in rhythm and you're working together and encouraging each other. You could have it where, you know, the older child or whoever's going to they have to work on patience. So they're going to work on their virtue of patience because that is a skill. If you have a child that is uh, where everything seems kind of easy learning wise, the problem with that is everything, they might be the good kid, but it's very easy to become puffed up and prideful and not learn that humility that God calls us to have. So you can have, you can modify games where that older child that's fast has to learn to slow down and count to 10 before they're allowed to you know, mm -hmm. um, answer. And, and there's all different ways you can tweak that because someone might say, well, my child has ADHD, ADHD, they're very impulsive. So they speak quickly, which is totally me. I totally, I hear you. Uh, so you're going to have to modify based on the child you have. So, mm -hmm. but I love games 
any games that you can get as a family and create like a rhythm of a game time is awesome. And and what's really nice is if you have a schedule, uh, like a mm-hmm. we do this at 5 a.m., but it could be more like of a checklist where you just kind of put the different activities for the week or the day and you just check off what we did today. Oh, this is so good. Oh, we've only, we haven't done anything together. Let's meet and let's have a check-in time. Another thing, uh, family read-alouds are so awesome. We mm-hmm. have lost, uh, in homeschool community, it's really big to do a family read-aloud. Uh, however, a lot of times what we, we, we get this mentality in our head that if my child can decode words on a page, mm-hmm. then they no longer need to be read to. But story, sharing story creates relationship. And sharing story is so bonding for families. I highly recommend, and it's very typical to recommend, you know, let your wiggly kid play with Legos while he's listening. You may think he hasn't paid attention to me once, but he's gotten every word because our kids that think differently, particularly those with that kind of ADHD type mind, and I'm very general with my descriptions because it's just symptoms are be anything. Yeah. But with that ADHD type mind, a lot of those kids, if you're going to make them sit there quietly and listen, they're spending all of their cognitive fuel focusing on sitting there quietly when they've been designed to move. They are movers and shakers. Those are our athletes. Those are our, our, our artists, you know, let your kids sketch or draw. My 12 year old always has to be doodling, even my 15 year old, and she's a martial artist, but she's always doodling because that's how she learns best auditory. On the other hand, you might have a child who struggles with auditory processing. They may be that child that says, what, huh? Or you might have to, ask them multiple times to do the same thing, they're not being disobedient. They're really not being disobedient. They literally are having a hard time processing the auditory information. Their brains are having a hard time. So you can have that child sit next to you and kind of read alongside you for a few minutes. But in general, what will happen if you choose a really awesome book and let the kids have an opportunity to have some buy-in to the titles, you know, maybe pick a few titles and be like, which ones do you guys want? Like, what's the next book on our list? If a child is just sitting there under that safe environment of we're all together and we're just reading it, reading a book. And even if it's just five minutes, if you've got a two-year-old that's screaming and you can only do five minutes, it's totally fine. But yeah. five minutes over time, what happens is the next time you go have dinner or you're having breakfast or somebody sees something that reminds you of Aslan, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's totally Aslan. And you're connecting because you have mm-hmm. common story and common uh, some, a common theme to connect you as a family. So you can see I have this theme of like a lot of connection as a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the last thing I'll, I know we're getting close to time. I think the last thing I would like to talk about for children, especially our children that struggle, uh, whether they struggle academically, behaviorally, because I'm, I'm promising you this right now, 99.9% of kids that are behaving in a way that is unacceptable. There's a reason that they're behaving that way, that they're having a hard time articulating. They don't know how to articulate what they're thinking and feeling. So it's really important to look at your child's behavior. What is happening? Help them tease through it so they can identify the feelings they're feeling so that they can learn how to deal with it better. But a lot of times we just discipline for a bad behavior, but the child is, oh my gosh, I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. I'm getting angry. I have that big sensation inside me, but they don't have that internal dialogue going on. So that's a preface to this. My number one tip for a parent of a child who struggles in any way like that, if you have a child who's getting notes sent home or you're getting calls or if they have a hard time socially, 
I would encourage you to get to know your child. And what that means is a lot of these kids, they, what a lot of people term hyper-focus on latest obsessions, things that they're super into. And they will only talk about what they're super into. That, that happens a lot. We see it a lot with autism, but really we see it a lot with kids. We see a lot with people, especially if you've been butting heads for a while because you're trying to get them to do what you're telling them to do. Give them 20 minutes, 15 minutes, a few times a week that is on the calendar where you just sit and listen to your child talk incessantly about whatever it is that they're into. Become interested. Understand why your child is interested in what they're interested in. Allow them to have time with you where there's no demands. Mom doesn't want anything from me. She just loves being with me regardless of any demands on me. I don't have to perform for her. I don't have to do this in order to get her to just sit by my side and maybe be interested in what I'm interested in. Even if it's so boring, <laughs> we're the adults. This is the thing. We're the adults. We have these fully developed brains, fully developed prefrontal cortex. This is the part of the brain that God has only given man. Only people have this part of the brain, that upper prefrontal cortex. That doesn't develop until the mid-20s, 25 years old, mm -hmm. okay? We have a developed one, which means even though it's boring and torture to listen to your kid ramble on about Minecraft or whatever they're in, <laughs> ask questions. Allow them to feel valued and loved because that is the key to having influence when you ask them to do things they don't want to do because you've poured into that relationship with them. And these particular kids in the summer is a great time because during the year, you're constantly trying to do this, do that. You got to get your math done. You got to do this. You got to do that. And so summer is a really nice time to reconnect and just honor that. And here's the thing. It's going to require a lot of self-control on the part of the adult. Mm -hmm. to shut their mouth and just listen and be there and try to understand who this kid is and what their interest is and, and really see their perspective. And that's what we want for our kids. We're constantly beating them up, have self-control, no self-control, stop talking. Da, da, da. We have to show it first. And that is oh, <laughs> so guilty. But that's what my son and, and this experience over these seven years has really taught me is mm -hmm. that I have to really check what my goal is. And if my goal is to be able to influence my child and get my child to, you know, hear what I have to say and then respect it enough to obey, then I've got to make that child feel safe and loved and valued because we know when someone tells us what to do and that person's always on us, what happens as adults? We're like, this person doesn't, this person's not invested in me, you know? And, and I know I said this last time we were together, like, but I just truly see like, God chose relationship with us. He chooses relationship with us. And it's through that relationship, through that getting to know him, getting to know his heart for us, that we were, we were so incapable of doing it perfectly that his son, his son didn't just die on the cross for us and raise to new life so we can have a relationship. No, his son lived the perfect life for us. See, that's the part we forget. He lived the perfect life for us because we will never be able to do it. The only way we change that sanctification, we use that big word sanctification, but all it is is knowing that our daddy loves us and having getting to know his heart, getting to know that he loves me. And that's what changes us over time. I want to honor the Lord, not because I have to, because that didn't work, right? That's what God, Jesus, didn't through the law, didn't work. 
So our kids are going to, our power is in our influence through our love, through our relationship with them. I'm telling you, it really changes everything. So pour into your child, even that child that drives you crazy with what they're obsessed with, that they can't stop talking about. Because eventually, if someone will just listen to them consistently, listen to them, you'll be their safe place to process these things, to talk about their latest thing. And they'll start to pull back on doing it to every single person in the restaurant, you know, because that's what a lot of times we'll see is that these kids, they'll, they'll talk to anybody about what they're focused on. And that's a problem. Some people call it a problem. But if we address it in our homes, oh, tell me all about that. Oh, tell me all about that character. Why do you like that? Because a lot of those kids, a lot of those uniquely wired kids, they, they love their favorite cartoons or their anime or their video games. And instead of poo-pooing it, play video games with your kid right? Play video games with your kid. Well, everyone has a thing with video games. I have a huge things with screen. Okay. One day I'm going to write a whole book all about the brain and the screen and what we, you know, mm. but if you're trying to strengthen that relationship with that kid, play video games and reach their heart, and then you'll have mm. a lot more influence. So. Mm. I had once heard, um, all of this is incredible, but I had heard that similar to what you were saying is, if you um, you know listen without a lot of comments, don't say much when they're young, you know younger. Um, like if you know they're coming to you with something, and then when they're older, they'll come back to you because they know that you'll sit and listen. So that is true. I mean, my daughter's only fifteen, but I will tell you, during COVID, she was really struggling with something, and she said, "Mom, fifteen years old, midnight. Mom, will you come mm -hmm. read fairy tales to, to me while I go to sleep?" And I laid in bed with her. And we read Grimm's fairy tales. Those are pretty grim. Wow. Because we were reading the originals. <clears throat> yes. But, but the fact that my 15-year-old daughter said, Mommy, please come read fairy tales to me. Lay in bed with me and read me a story. That's connection. And she's she's so independent. And But that's she. you go out and you send her out in the world and you wouldn't think that of this child. And, and I want to be her safe place because I want her to know that that Jesus guy that I love so much, he really loves her, you know? Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. That just wrapped it up with a big bow. I loved it. Oh, so good. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for coming on the show. Where can people find you? They can find me on my website, aheartforallstudents.com. I am on Facebook. I'll be honest with you. One of the things I've done is I've just kind of said no a lot to social media and I pull back a lot. So if you really want to find me, it's at aheartforallstudents.com. I do have a podcast as well. That's also aheartforallstudents.com. And you can find that wherever you have listen to podcasts and Pinterest and, you know, the little, I do my pins and stuff like that. But my website, yeah. great place. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. So every time I ask what everybody's eating, reading and loving. So flashback, right? So what are you eating as a snack and reading and loving? Okay. So I have been like, so cleaning up my diet. So it's so funny. You ask me now. I love that you asked me this question now. <laughs> so, uh, and I don't know what I said last time, but I've been back into apples and peanut butter kick. I, I eat apples and I slather peanut butter. Like, I mean, we go through a, yes. we go through jars and jars like every couple of days because my 15 year old, and we're like competing for who can eat the most peanut butter. I love peanut butter. Apples, yeah. peanut butter, reading right uh -huh. now. Right now I'm reading Dr. Mark Hyman. He wrote this book. Uh, I, I'm always reading about like neuroscience in the brain and it's mm -hmm. called The Ultra Mind Solution. It's actually one of his earlier books, but I'm very big into you know, how the body, God just, the body and the brain, God designed it all. And so it's fascinating. It's called the Ultra Mind Solution and Loving. 
I'm loving, oh yeah, I, I would say I'm really loving these walks that I'm having with my 12 year old. We've been taking the dogs on like these long 45 minutes to an hour walks, just the two of us. And we've been talking about like her favorite uh, cartoon. Like she loves um, Miraculous. It's this French cartoon that like they kids love here. It's like Miraculous Ladybug. She loves Miraculous. And I just listen and I just ask her questions and she looks forward to that. And I get her outside and I love that. And I don't want to listen. I don't want to talk about Miraculous Ladybug all the time. But now I'm starting to enjoy it because I'm getting into it with her. So those walks, that has been a blessing. I can't wait. She asked today, Mommy, when are we going on a walk? I said this afternoon after it cools down a little because it got hot today. Good. Good. Oh, that is great. Uh, I love it. And I love how you brought out the word connection. And I think that is a great word to carry with us throughout this summer to have that connection, whether it is with our kids or with our spouse or with friendships and especially with the Lord is just that connection with him this summer. So thank you so much, Lindsay, for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful. Thank you for joining me for today's show. For more encouragement, hop on over to Instagram at Friends of a Feather Podcast. I would love for you to send me a direct message and say hi. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode. Remember, we are all friends of a feather, so let's stick together. Have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye, friends.